Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a teaching series called Onward, a study in the book of Acts. Together, we're learning how to live as an ordinary people, empowered to continue Jesus' mission. Thanks for listening. Well, it's April 5th, and I want to say hello, Cherry Hills family. We are so thankful that we can join you this way. And I want to invite you, if you would, to turn to Acts chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 26 through 40 today. So if you've got your Bible or your tablet or your phone and want to turn there, Acts 8, verses 26 through 40. We're going to return this week to our series uh, on Acts that we're calling Onward. And uh, today, the message I want to share with you is called Spirit-Led. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, today we're going to see that a man named Philip is led by the Holy Spirit to connect with someone who doesn't yet know Lord Jesus. And uh, we are in the situation right now where there are opportunities out there for us as well. And if you're following along in the notes, here's something that I just found myself thinking about as I prepared this message. Even now, God's preparing people in our city to follow Jesus. Even now, with the coronavirus, God's preparing people in our city in our area, in our corner of the world and beyond to follow Jesus. Luke 10 says that the fields are ripe unto harvest, Jesus said. There are people that are ready. There are people that I've been preparing. And that's just a great reminder for us. And sometimes when hard things like this happen, sometimes hurt or hard things open the heart. Second, how does he do that? Well, God's method, if you're following, is that he calls people like us to share him with others. He calls people like us to share him with others. Let me just show you the series sentence again that talks about this. Even we are an ordinary people empowered to continue Jesus' mission. We are. People like us are ordinary. People like the New Testament people we read about were ordinary, but they knew an extraordinary God, and he worked through them to continue what Jesus had started. Jesus put it this way, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But notice, what's our part? Our part is to let Jesus be Lord and be led by his Spirit if you're following along. Our part is to let Jesus be Lord and be led by his spirit. Let me explain that a little bit. The night before Jesus was crucified, in John's gospel, chapter 14, chapter 15, and chapter 16, over and over again, he says, look, the Father and I are going to send the Holy Spirit to live in you, to indwell you. And so you need to know that he's just like me. Even though he's invisible, he's just like me. And when he comes, he will not only remind you of what I've said, guide you into all the truth we want you to know, but also he will glorify me. And so Jesus, uh, when you and I invite him into our lives to be Lord of our life, then at the same time, he sends his Holy Spirit to now live in you, the same Holy Spirit that lived in Jesus. And when we think about Jesus being Lord, do you know when we baptize people, which we will, by the way, be resuming that when we're able to gather. I know March 29th was supposed to be our baptism Sunday, but whenever we baptize people here in our church family, we ask them three questions. Here's the third one. Are you willing to let Jesus be the Lord of your life? And that question means, are you willing to let him be in charge every day? And that's a daily thing, isn't it? So it's possible 
to call yourself a Christian, for me to call myself a Christian and not let Jesus be Lord. Peter wrote about this years later in 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 as he reflected back on following Jesus. Here's what he said. Do we have 1 Peter 3? Oh, there it is. Worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, you will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. One of the earlier editions of the New International Version put it this way. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. When Jesus is the Lord of our lives, that means that when the Spirit tries to lead us, we won't fight him. We'll let him lead us, guide us. We're teachable. We're controllable. And so notice that Galatians 5.25 carries out this same idea. Galatians 5.25 says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So this is all really important stuff as we think about how do we join God in the work he's doing in the world. And today, Philip, in chapter 8, gives us a demonstration of what it looks like when God, by his Spirit, is leading us and connecting us to other people that may still be on the way, that may still not know Jesus. And so let's look at that together in verses 26 through 40. And when it says, learning to be led by the Spirit of Jesus, let me just make sure you know that the New Testament, sometimes in order to show us that the Holy Spirit and Jesus work closely together, actually uses a phrase like this, the Spirit of Jesus. Uh, that's what it says in Acts 16, 7. If you skip eight chapters ahead, look at these words. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. You see how the Spirit of Jesus was working in their situation, and he wants to work with us too. Philippians 1, 9 actually calls him the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And so, again, as we think about this, let's see how the Spirit led Philip. Here's verse 26, if you want to follow along with me. It starts this way. Now, an angel of the Lord, and an angel there can mean a messenger, or it can mean an actual angel. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Now, if you're following along, God's already at work and invites Philip to join him. God's already at work in this Ethiopian guy's life. He's already at work, and he invites Philip to join him. And as we think about this, just notice that there's some things going on that tell us that God's at work. Uh, the fact that he's got a Bible. By the way, in order to do that, he must have had some measure of wealth because people couldn't have their own copies easily in those days. But this man did, and he's actually reading from the prophet Isaiah. But along with that, notice Philip's part, is that Philip's yielded and ready, and he takes the first step. That's what verse 27 says. It says, so he started out. In other words, he didn't just hear a messenger of God speaking to him, but he actually starts out. And so Philip's yielded and ready. How are you and I going to be yielded and ready? By setting apart Jesus as Lord each morning 
and then being willing to be led by his spirit freshly each day. Have you ever seen uh, the yield sign when you're driving, out driving? It looks like this. It's that red triangle. And whenever I think of yield, I know what that traffic sign is telling me is that I need to put someone else first. I need to give them the right of way. When you and I yield freshly, that means now we're available, we're responsive, we're guidable, we're teachable. When I was younger, and even recently, my mother will say to me, Jeff, stay yielded. And mom, if you're watching, I just want to tell you that's still great advice. And whenever I follow it, I've noticed the difference. So not only that, but now look at verse 29 and 30 with me in that first gray box. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. If you're following along, notice this, that the spirit prompts Philip to take the next step, and he does. The spirit prompts Philip to take the next step, and he does. Now think about this with me. It starts out where God prompts Philip to go to a certain desert road because he knows where both the Ethiopian and the Philip uh, guy are, and they, he wants to bring them together. God, is, God knows what's going on in every person's life in the world. And so he says, first, go to that road. And then once he's on that road, notice how he gets even more specific now. He says, go over to that chariot and stay near it. And Philip is invited to take that next step. And Philip does. And as he does, he overhears something that's helpful and that shows him how God is working. In fact, if you're following along, here's what Philip does. Philip listens, asks a question, and looks for openness. Philip listens, asks a question, and looks for openness. Let me read verse 31 through 34. It says this. It says, <clears throat> when he said, uh, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, the Ethiopian man said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Now notice the openness. First of all, the openness that he's even reading a Bible. If you see some reading, someone reading a Bible today, doesn't that tell you something? Doesn't that tell you that someone's at least seeking Notice that he asked him a question. Do you understand what you're reading? What a great thing. He doesn't come up and say, hey, I know all about that. Let me tell you what I know. No, he starts where the man is. And you know, sometimes that's what we need to do just in our normal conversations. Have you ever tried this? I found certain questions like this helpful. Do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? Did you grow up going to church when you were younger? Uh, do you, what do you think about the Bible? Have you ever read the Bible? Uh, who is Jesus to you? These are all different kinds of questions that you may want to ask someone once you have an opportunity and you listen to them. Just find out what their background is. Find out what their starting point is, just like Philip did. And then notice this. He tells about Jesus 
and leaves the results to God. He tells this Ethiopian man about Jesus and leaves the results to God. Let me go on, verse 35 through 39. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture, which was Isaiah 53, by the way, which was a prophecy of the Messiah and Jesus, and that passage of Scripture, and told him the good news about Jesus. What? That Jesus was the one who was like a lamb that was slaughtered for us, who died in our place, whose life was taken for, from him, but so he gave it that we might have life. And then as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Now here's the question I used when we had a baptism Sunday last year. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Notice this, that Philip almost had to be led by the Ethiopian. The Ethiopian was so excited. Have you discovered this? Sometimes people that are brand new to knowing Jesus or that may still be on the way may have a desire that challenges us. I have learned so many things sometimes from people that don't yet believe by their questions, by their curiosity, or even by their uh, skepticism or their protest. And again, Philip has an opportunity to be part of this glorious moment with this Ethiopian. He gets to tell him the good news about Jesus, and the Ethiopian receives the good news about Jesus. Notice one more thing. Philip stays yielded and keeps following God's promptings. Philip stays yielded and keeps following God's promptings. That's very interesting for me when I think about it because sometimes I go through a season where I'm yielded and I follow God's promptings and then sometimes it seems like I take a break or I get away from that. So it's so important each morning, each day to keep coming back to being yielded and following the Spirit's promptings. That's part of what it means to be led by the Spirit. And as you and I take that posture, the chances of God connecting us to other people who don't yet know Jesus goes up. Now notice that I said earlier that he left all the results. He leaves all the results to God. I find that to be challenging sometimes. Sometimes if I feel like what I've shared was either not well received or it didn't seem to have any effect, it's hard for me to trust. But I want to remind you, as we saw a few weeks ago, Stephen told people the good news about Jesus, and they didn't seem to receive it at the time at all. In fact, they stoned him. But months later, there was a guy named Saul who had been present that day who not only turned his life over to Jesus, but he became a person that helped many other people come to know Jesus. You and I never know when we share Jesus. Lately, I've been finding myself praying a prayer more like this. Lord, what, what I say to other people about you, you decide how deep my words go into a person. You decide how long they last, and you decide how far they travel. Let me just trust you with the results. You make that decision. You make that determination. Here's what 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 7 reminds us when we try and share the good news about Jesus with other people, and it doesn't always seem to be uh, enough. Just remember this. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. 
each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. And so sometimes you and I have an opportunity to prepare soil, plant seeds, water it, what other people have already shared with someone else. But we need to trust God with the results, just like Philip did. Now, as we think about this, how do you and I think about our opportunities? Because as I said earlier, I think that even during this coronavirus, there's maybe even more opportunities than normal. I don't know. But it's also challenging because we have to uh, keep in mind social distancing. So how do we bring all this together? And I want to talk to you about practicing being led by the Spirit, by His Spirit this week, even though this is the current climate. And uh, as I think about this, let me just share with you a passage of Scripture from Colossians 4 that tells us some things, and then I want to unpack it with three ideas. Here it is. Devote yourselves to prayer. So important for us to be praying during this time. That's how we also let Jesus be Lord and prepare ourselves to be led by the Spirit. Then notice this, being watchful. Did you notice that? After you and I pray, watch. Watch to see what happens. Watch to see whose paths we cross or who contacts us or who, we come, who comes to mind. And be thankful and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. God's got to open doors, friends, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. In other words, people that don't yet believe. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is so helpful. So let me just offer these three ideas. And again, see which one stands out to you. First, pray. Here's a prayer. Lord, I'm yours. Use me and guide me by your spirit. Lord, I'm yours. Notice we start by calling him Lord. I'm yours, use me, and guide me by your spirit. This has been so important for me because I go sometimes for days at a time without actually freshly saying this to the Lord. And I've found that when those seasons happen, the opportunities to share Jesus with other people tend to go down. There's a businessman in our church that recently shared with a number of other businessmen that a prayer that's helped him in the last year or two is this one that Rick Warren suggests that's just two words, use me. And when you and I start our days by that, we don't know what'll happen, but God sees a heart that's willing to be led, guidable, teachable, shapeable. And my friend, the businessman, has actually seen more opportunities to share Jesus than he ever recalls before. Second, after you pray, ask this, who, Lord, are you putting on my heart to pray for and move towards? Who are you putting on my heart to pray for and move towards? Nothing becomes dynamic or powerful until it becomes specific, until it becomes concrete. So Philip knew that the Spirit was leading him towards a specific man from Ethiopia. And when he met him, he knew exactly who he was supposed to pray for and move towards, and he did. But who is that for you? I found it's helpful uh, to think about uh, some of the traffic patterns in my life. What are the traffic patterns in yours? Is it your family? Is it some of your coworkers? Is it some of your classmates? Is it actually uh, some people you know through your kids' sports teams? Is it 
a, a place that you frequent. I know right now we've got curbside or drive-through or, uh, you know, ordering online and things like that. So we may not be able to interact with people the same way. But even with six-foot difference, there's ways to interact with our neighbors. There's ways to interact with people. Who is it for you? Let me just throw out several ideas. My parents live in a retirement center. And they've noticed that they now have a whole new set of neighbors that they can get to know their names and care about and pray for. And so they're looking for opportunities. We have a family in our church that years ago discovered that God, because we have a couple universities here in town, a couple colleges and universities, they were able to make connections with international people, just like this Ethiopian guy was different than Philip was internationally. But you notice what happened. Once this Ethiopian believed, did you know he took it back to his country? And our friends have found that they can just host, have him in for dinner, love on them, that sometimes that's the who for them. I know another man in our church that began looking at his employees differently, and he began to offer a Bible study. And as he did, there was an openness that came. I don't know who it is for you, but who is it that God might be putting on your heart? I've shared more recently that for the last five years, I've been eating at a restaurant here in town called Little Saigon, and I'm just trying to get to know some of the names of the servers. And then when I pray before my meal, I try and specifically remember to pray for them by name, that if they don't already know Jesus, that Jesus will make himself real to them. Finally, here's another prayer. Here's another thing that you can say to God. God, I want to learn to listen to your promptings and act on them. God, I want to learn to listen to your promptings and act on them. Sometimes I have listened for his promptings but not acted on them, and he is so patient. He is so willing to keep teaching us how to do this. And just like Philip kept staying yielded and kept acting on God's promptings, you and I can too. And I believe that there are people around you that I may never be able to meet or get to know, but God wants to work through you. God wants to actually teach you things. You can learn how to ask questions. You can learn how to take a genuine interest. You can get to know people's names. And let me just bring our vision home this way. We want to see people of every generation giving themselves fully to Jesus and his mission. Maybe he's asking you to notice someone across the generation lines. In other words, someone that's not in your generation. And I appreciate the fact that our church is trying to love people in every generation. So as we close, would you pray for me? Pray with me that we would be able to share. Now, Lord, what are you doing in our city that maybe we don't have eyes to see yet? Would you help us see all the opportunities? Thank you so much that you're giving us opportunities with the healthcare workers and their families. We pray for them. We pray that you would re-strengthen them each day and help them do good work. We pray for those people they're caring for, that if they don't yet know you, they would come to know you, God, that this might turn their hearts towards you and that there might be opportunities for them, like the Ethiopian man, to come to know the good news about you, Jesus, and then to come to know you, Jesus. So this is our prayer. Help us to be a church that keeps moving onward. Amen. Have a good week. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.